Good morning, everyone. It is uh, always good to see you. And on a chilly, this is actually perfect preaching weather right here. I'm not sure how it is on the listening end of it, but I'm good here. Uh, and don't let that scare you. I will still keep it in check here. Hey, do want you to know regarding preaching, we have the joy uh, and privilege of having with us next week uh, our brother, uh, Shai Lin. Uh, Shai is a member of our friend Brian Davis's church uh, in uh, Philadelphia. Brian has come and preached here a number of times. Some of you may remember uh, Shai doing a, um, a concert at Covenant Fellowship several years ago. Well, he's going to be with us to bring God's word uh, a week from today. So you're not going to want to, to miss uh, that ministry of our of our brother. Well, let me invite you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. As we read a, a text of Scripture that in simply the reading of this text, um, with any degree of attentiveness and care, uh, the reading all by itself will sober us, um, it will affect us. It will give us reason for pause. This, this is the Word of God. This is a historical narrative of something that happened um, early on in the life of the New Testament church. Um, let us hear God's Word. Beginning in verse 1. But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened, and Peter said to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. 
This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, would you please in these next few moments speak by the power, the conviction, the persuasion of the Holy Spirit to our hearts. That, Father, we might hear your voice and in the hearing of your voice might be changed, might be transformed for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are in the middle of a series of messages through the book of Acts, learning what happens when the Holy Spirit falls upon the church. What happens when Pentecost happens? What happens when the Holy Spirit falls upon and fills the church? And so far we have seen that when the Spirit falls upon and fills the church, uh, we get a sense of the right priorities and we experience power. There is a Christ-centeredness about us, a a focus on the person and the work of Christ. There is a commitment to radical evangelism and witness. And as we heard last week from Alex, there is a stirring of deep spiritual affections and emotions in relationship with Christ. Now today, what we are going to hear is that when the Spirit of God falls upon and fills the church... One of the things that happens is reverent holiness. Reverent holiness. You'll hear a little bit of an echo of some of the thoughts that Alex shared last week in today's message, but repetition is valuable for us. It is indeed essential for us. As I proceed, I want to kind of outline my thoughts under these three headings, what holiness is what holiness feels, and what holiness does. What it is, what it feels, and what it does. First of all, what holiness is. I I would suggest to you that holiness is a word that is much forgotten in our times, that it might be forgotten because it is uncomfortable. When was the the last time uh, you prayed and ask the Lord to make you holy. We talk much about justice, and well, we should, but quite frankly, in today's world, to be concerned about justice is almost a cool thing. We talk a lot about love, and well, we should, but everybody talks about love. It makes you feel warm and fuzzy. We talk a lot about kindness, and we should, because it's nice to be kind. We talk about service, And we should because it's noble to serve. And we talk about unity and we should uh, because we just should be united. But how often do we talk about holiness? How often is that word on our lips? Is that word on our tongue? Did you you realize the, the word holy appears 665 times in the Bible? That's about once every page and a half, there is a reference to holiness. This is a biblical focus. This is a biblical emphasis. And yet, it is not an emphasis in the hearts and minds of many who profess the name of Jesus. And so, this morning, by the grace of God, I I want to call us back to a commitment to personal holiness in the fear of God. 
And as we approach this, I want us to see the focus on holiness in the book of Acts, in this age of the Spirit, in a couple of ways. First of all, just by noticing the Spirit's full name. What is it in verse 3? He is the Holy Spirit. He is the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit falls upon us and fills us, He is going to reproduce His holiness in our lives. This is what part of what it means to be filled with and empowered by the Spirit of God. In the book of Acts, those who are Christians, those who are following Christ are called saints. That word saint means one who is set apart, one who is consecrated in devotion to Christ. Back in the Old Testament, as you probably remember, there were, there were holy places, sanctified places, set apart places, tabernacles, temples, the holy of holies, the most holy place. There were set apart vessels and cups and dishes in the temple. There were set apart people and vestments and clothing. There were things that were set apart for holy purposes, things that were consecrated to God. Well, in the New Testament, there are no especially sanctified places or set apart vessels or sanctified holy vestments, but there are set apart, consecrated, holy people. Everyone who knows and loves the Lord Jesus Christ is a saint set apart in consecration to God. So what is holiness? Well, holiness is living that out in our lives, recognizing that we are consecrated to God. When you came to faith in Christ, God set you apart from the rest of the world and said, from now on, you're mine. And your body and your spirit, and your mind, and your heart, and your thoughts. They all belong to me now. And in that set-apartness, we are to live a consecrated, holy life in which we sin less and less and less, and we do what is right more and more and more. There is to be a sanctity to our lives a sacredness to our lives. Holiness is practiced or applied consecration. It's knowing who you belong to and living for His glory by renouncing sin, putting sin to death in your life, and practicing likeness to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now as you hear that, as you hear the word holy, I'm, I'm sure that there are things conjured up in your mind. You, you, you may not be used to thinking of yourself in this kind of way, but it is a, an essential part of our identity as those who follow Christ. And I want to call us to this this morning. I want us to, to see our, our identity, to understand who we are, before the Lord, and to realize in the words of God through Peter in 1 Peter 1 that we are to be holy, for He is holy. This is our calling. This is our life. This is how we 
are how we do life as those who follow the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is holiness? Holiness is first of all kind of a, a consecrated status where God sets us apart. And then it's an application of that status by being set apart from sin in order to serve Him and imitate Him and follow Him. That is Spirit-produced holiness. Now the second heading is, if that is what holiness is, what does holiness feel? What does holiness feel? And the answer is reverence and awe. Reverence and awe. When the Spirit of God falls upon us, when the Spirit of God moves in us, one of the effects of it is a holy, humble reverence and fear, godly fear, not terrified fear, not knee-knocking fear, not cringing and running and hiding fear, but a reverent fear, a humble reverence for God. When this is what holiness feels when the Spirit of God comes. If your Bible's open, just look back, for example, at chapter 2 of Acts in verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe or reverent fear came upon every soul. Or chapter 9, verse 31. Chapter 9, verse 31. So the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. The church walked. That means in an ongoing, steady, step-by-step way, they walked in the fear of the Lord. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 35, we read these words, In every nation, anyone who fears Him and does what is right is acceptable to Him. In chapter 19 and verse 17, Paul had done a powerful miracle, an exorcism wrought by the Holy Spirit. It says, fear fell upon them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. And it's this point of reverent holiness that our Acts chapter 5 text is about. The story of Ananias and Sapphira. In this story, this stunning, this shocking account of what happened to this husband and this wife, we see that the end result of it in verse 5 of chapter 5 is fear came upon all who heard. And in verse 11, great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. The, The fear of the Lord came when the Spirit of God fell upon the church. You can understand why, right? I mean, think, think about Peter's words here. He says, you have, you have not lied to man, but to God. Ananias, Sapphira, you've lied to God. You've 
You've tried to deceive God. Your issue is not with me, Peter says. Your issue is not with man, with man. Your issue is with God. Think about that. Reverent fear is what happens when you think about that. God hears our lies. And God cares, obviously, from this text about our our lies. The fear of God is a serious regard and a respect for the holiness of God, for the justice of God, for the purity of God, for the omniscience of God that knows when we're lying, that knows when we're sinning. It is a regard and a respect for God. Not, as I say, knee-knocking, not a run-and-hide kind of fear, but a cautious, humble, reverent, respectful attitude. I was thinking about this, and I, I may have asked you children this before, uh, but let me, let me ask it again. Uh, imagine, kids, if this morning beside me right here was a great big golden lion. Real thing. Like you see in a zoo, but standing here, not in a cage, not in an enclosure, but standing here. How many of you children might be a little bit afraid? How many of you adults might be a little bit afraid? Yes. Yeah, just just being in the presence of a lion, uh, especially if that lion is not chained or is not caged, would be a terrifying thing. But let's imagine that the lion actually had a chain on it and, and that the lion could not reach you, could not get to you. How many of you might still be afraid of the lion? Yeah. At the very least, you would respect it, right? How many of you kids would walk up to a chained lion here and, and tweak his whiskers? Pull on his whiskers and start mocking or teasing the lion. You're saying, hey, he's chained. He can't hurt me. He won't do anything to me. How many of you would disrespect the lion? No, you'd still respect the lion. Even though he can't hurt you, you recognize there's power and there's greatness in a lion that is worthy of your respect. That means you have to pay attention and be careful. God is not going to get you if you love Jesus Christ. You do not have to be afraid of God attacking you, God being angry with you, God destroying you or judging you. Jesus died for your sins and took that kind of fear away. However, God is still a lion. God is still the king. God is still on the throne and He is holy and righteous and He sees everything and knows everything. And you can't, you can't escape His presence. And that means, children, that means adults, we ought to walk in the fear of the Lord. This, this is what holiness feels. Holy, what, is holy, what is holiness? Holiness is a consecrated life living for the glory of God. What does holiness feel? It feels reverence. It feels awe. It feels a sense of holy caution. Ananias and Sapphira felt none of that. 
But God wanted to make sure that His church understood. His church understood, I care about holiness. I care about whether or not you lie. I care about whether or not you tell the truth. I care about whether or not you obey me. I care about whether or not you keep my commandments. I care about whether you live a consecrated life or not. God says, it matters to me. Don't be flippant. Don't be careless. Don't be casual with God. And don't be flippant or careless about sin. Take sin seriously because God does and he always has even sins that feel sometimes like they're small sins you ever thought about Adam and Eve in the garden on the surface of things what did they do wrong well they took a piece of fruit that didn't belong to them but at root what did they do wrong they disobeyed the law of the living God And God said, on the day you eat of this, you will surely die. And we have been paying the price for that small sin ever since in this broken world. Or have you thought in the Old Testament about all those sins that required the death penalty? You ever read the Old Testament and and just realize, wow, um, there's... God, God expects people to die for all these sins. Why does God do that? To teach us, to remind us that the wages of sin is death. That this is what all sin deserves. Now why doesn't He do that toward you and me every day of our lives? Because He is full of mercy and compassion and grace And He is strengthening us so that we will sin less and less. But that doesn't mean it's not serious. It is very serious. And so, as we think about this text, we need to see what holiness is. It is living a life consecrated to God, more and more like God. We need to see what holiness feels. It feels reverence and awe before the Lord. And then finally, we need to see what holiness does. What it does. And I'm going to give you three quick answers based on the book of Acts. Number one, reverent holiness, reverent holiness rejects sin no matter how small it might seem. Reverent holiness rejects sin no matter how small it might seem. Ananias and Sapphira, they didn't sin by keeping back a portion of the proceeds of the land that they sold. In fact, God said to them through Peter, the land belonged to you. And even when you sold it, the proceeds belonged to you. You could have done whatever you wanted with them. You didn't didn't have to give all of the proceeds. So where did they go wrong? They gave the impression that they had given all the proceeds when they hadn't. It's just this, why, why would they have done that? Well, what, for reputation's sake, to look more generous than they really were? How many of you have ever done things wrong for reputation's sake? Right. Um, but in this case, 
God struck them down. For what to us seems like a small sin, but reverent holiness, what Ananias and Sapphira did not have, and we must have, reverent holiness will reject sin no matter how small it might seem to us. It will take all sin seriously. So are there sins in your life? Are there things you are doing, you are practicing, that, you, that you're trivializing, that you're taking lightly? This text says to us, take it seriously. Go to war with even the smallest sins in your life. Number two, reverent holiness rejects the world no matter how much it might cost. Reverend holiness rejects the world no matter how much it might cost. Just flip over, if you would, to chapter 19. Chapter 19 and verse 17. Chapter 19 and verse 17. And this, that is, Paul had just done a miracle, this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also, many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. This is an amazing text of Scripture where these new believers came to realize that their magic art books, their their books that dealt with uh, the occult and other things, these books that they had looked to for guidance and direction and the rest. These were contrary to the fear of God. These were incompatible with faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so they rejected these things of the world and started a bonfire. And and 50,000 pieces of silver, which amounts to about $6 million worth of materials, went up in flames. Friends, Holiness starts fires. Holiness comes through our lives. And it comes through to our lives at those points where the world and its stuff is affecting us. And holiness rejects those things. And holiness seeks the glory of God no matter what the cost. It costs these people dearly. It will cost you dearly to be holy. But we are called to be holy even as he is. And finally, holiness, holiness not only, not only rejects sin, no matter how small it seems, not only rejects the world, its philosophies and its approaches, no matter how much it costs, holiness obeys God no matter what others might say. It obeys God no matter what others might say. Say, listen to these words from chapter 4 and verse 19. The authorities had told Peter and the apostles to stop preaching. And Peter stands up and says, Whether it is right in the sight of God 
to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of the things we have seen and heard. And then in chapter 5 and verse 29, we must obey God rather than men. Brothers and sisters, when our hearts are full of the fear of the Lord in a commitment to holiness, we will seek to do the will of God no matter what anybody says, no matter how they might oppose us or tell us to stop. We will seek to please God in everything because that's what reverent holiness does. As I think on this passage and as I close here this morning, there are, there are two thoughts that, that come to mind. The first is a simple call to holiness. I just, I just want to extend this invitation to you as my brothers and sisters in the Lord, as a church family. Let us commit to being a holy people. In these recent weeks and months, um, I have seen and read and heard many Christians who seem, quite frankly, to be far more concerned about the sins of others than they are about their own sins. That others are not holy or just more concerned about that than their own holiness and godliness of life. Let us commit to personal holiness. Let us commit to personal sanctification. Let us make this a day of renewed commitment and consecration to Him. And then as I close, I think of this. Why is it that Ananias and Sapphira died and we haven't? Um, If in fact the wages of sin or death, then why haven't we died? The answer is because somebody else has died in our place. Um, the answer is because there has been an atoning sacrifice. Why, why has God spared your life? Why, why are we not right now experiencing the wrath, the eternal death of God in in hell and judgment because Jesus paid it all for us because he died in our place. And so we come back to the gospel, don't we? We need to hear a call to holiness, but we need to make sure that we hear that with an invitation to the gospel to remember that Jesus died for the sins that we're still committing. Jesus died to make us holy, but he has also died to make us forgiven. And let us live in the, the, the goodness and the grace of the gospel, but not use that as an excuse to sin, but use that as a motivation to be all the more holy for the glory of God in our lives. This is God's Word. We come upon a text like Acts 5, and it stirs us, it affects us, it frightens us, it shocks us. But God in His goodness has included it to motivate us and stimulate us to live the kind of lives that he has called us to. So let us be holy 
in the fear of God. And let us do so in the power of the gospel. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we are we're humbled. Father, we, we admit that as we read this text, we tremble. For in this text, we see how sinful sin is in your sight and what our sins deserve. We see how seriously you take sin. How seriously you call us to holiness. Father, we want to take this moment to consecrate ourselves to you, to say in our hearts that we know we belong to you, that we are to live for your glory. We want to take this moment to acknowledge that we have not lived as we should. We have not been holy as we should. We confess it and own it. Ask your mercy. And we thank you for Jesus. Thank you again and afresh. With profound gratitude and joy. Thank you for Jesus. Who in his own person on the cross died in our place. So that we can live for your glory. And when we die here on earth we can live forever in your presence. In that place where we will be perfectly holy. Never to sin again. So give us conviction. Humility reverence, gratitude, awe. Give us fear of the kind that will change and transform our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Brothers and sisters, thank you for coming. Um, some of you look like you're frozen in place right at the moment. I hope you're able to thaw out. Thank you for coming. God bless you. God be with you. And uh, we'll keep you posted on location for next week uh, and uh, what, what is next in the plan. Uh, just keep an eye out for that. God bless you. God be with you. God keep you safe. And God uh, keep you warm uh, these days. Amen. Amen.